0: Well, if you haven't been here for any of this series, I recommend you go on our website and check out the podcast. It's been uh, a little bit emotional, and I know being Mother's Day, and especially if it's your first week here in the last three weeks, seeing that video, you might be going a little, I don't know if I can take it anymore because my kids are growing up. And um, We went to a a college graduation yesterday, and it didn't really, for a friend of ours, it didn't really hit me until uh, I was driving in this morning, and they talked about the class of 2015, and I thought, my daughter's in the class of 2020, Like I have five years. My my marbles would be down to here. Um, But anyway, I'll be all right. Uh, I heard that story. I was at the gas station. And when I was at the gas station this morning, I realized that there are two types of people in this world. There are people like me who, uh, when my tank gets below a half... I start thinking about what I've got to do the next few days, and maybe now would be a good time to go fill up my gas tank because I don't want it to get below a quarter because I know if it gets below a quarter, I'm going to start to panic a little bit. And so are there any people like that in here? Like, you don't want your tank. There's a few of you sane people in here. I wonder how many of you are more like Kramer on Seinfeld, and your goal in life is to see how far below E you can get that needle to move. Anybody in here like that? Yeah, you people are sick. Do any of you like share a car with somebody and it's always your hope and prayer that they will fill the gas tank up so you don't have to? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, that was my wife raised her hand. I'm like, oh, good to know. Hey. <laughs> How about, um, ha- have you, anybody ever had to walk to a gas station because you're that? Yeah, okay. Anybody carry a gas can in your car because just, you know, this is going to happen? Let me tell you, if that's you, would you please come see me after the service? Because there is, there is help available for you. We have counselors that can talk to you about your problem. They're, please talk to somebody. Don't leave here without letting God do a work in your life in the area of gas tank filling. Hey, you know, like your car, uh, it, when it comes to our children, we need to pay close attention to where their tank is, right? Our kids have a love tank, we'll call it. And uh, unlike our car... We don't want to let that get down till it's all the way empty. So many times uh, we think about how we're loving our kids and we know that the way we love them can have an impact on their self-confidence and their willingness to live boldly. And uh, The difference between kids and our car is we don't want to let our kids get all the way down to empty. We want to make sure that we're constantly filling that tank. And especially as, we, as they get older, what we find is that if you don't regularly fill your kid's love tank, They'll find somebody who will, and it may not be a result that you like. Over the past few weeks of this series, we've been – this series is called Losing Your Marbles. We've been talking about this jar of marbles that we've had, and we let each marble represent one week – in the life of a child, it's uh, 936. We've used 936. That's the average number of weeks between a child time a child is born and the time they graduate from high school. And we know, and we've said, we know that you're not done parenting when your kid graduates from high school. We get that, and we know that uh, you know some of you have far fewer than 936 right now. But we've said, on average, as parents, we get 936 weeks, 936 uh, Saturdays to interact with our kids. Right, 936 formative weeks to invest time in the kids we love. 936 weeks, uh, we've talked about to impact them with the words that we speak. And uh, we have limited time. That's the, that's the uh, whole idea. We, these are critical years for our kids, uh, for the kids we love that are around us. We have limited opportunities to teach and to train and to influence. And what we've wanted you to do throughout this series, just think how valuable your time is. You know, last week, Paul was here, and he, he, he reminded us that we're to number our days. We ask the Lord to teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And whether you're intentional with the time you have or not, the days are going to pass. One by one, you're going to lose your marbles. Now, some of you have young kids, and you've got a lot of marbles. Some of you have older kids, and uh, you're like me, and you've got none. Some of you would say, well, you know what? My kids are gone. Maybe my jar is empty. Uh, we have a ton of babies in our church right now. You guys are doing a fantastic job of growing the kingdom of God organically. I thank you for that. You see that up here on stage now. Um, others of you, we have kids in middle school or high school. Your time with them is limited. As like I you know, had another realization this morning. Um, and, and I know that some of you have kids that are in college or getting ready to graduate from college. And it doesn't mean you can't influence them. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak at our Noblesville campus, and uh, there was a couple there that had missed the first week, and they came up to me after the service and they said, Man, this is, it was so moving for me. Their kid just graduated, I'm sorry, they, he just graduated college. And, and they said, We realize that uh, our time with him is limited, but it's not over. And so, what they did, parents, maybe this is a great idea for you, when their child graduated from college, he was moving back into the house, they asked him, how long are you gonna be here? Maybe that's a good strategy anyway, right? <laughs> Parents, your kids moved back in after college. How long are you gonna be here? But their goal was they put a jar of marbles on their countertop with how many weeks they still had with their son before he moved out. And so I think this principle applies to all of us. And so over the past couple weeks, we've talked about the words we use with our kids. You know, two weeks ago I reminded you, I reminded myself, that the words we use have power. The Bible says the power of life and death. And when speaking to our kids, we want to use words of life. And then last week, Paul Muma was here. He talked about the importance of uh, spending quality time with our kids. I listened to that podcast this week. He did an incredible job of that. I hope you guys love that. If you didn't, like I said, you can go online and listen to those. But today, what I want to do is wrap up this series by talking about loving our kids, the love we show our children, and why no matter how old or young they are, that your unconditional love demonstrated to them can make a big impact on their relationship, obviously with you, In your relationship with them, but it can make all the difference in how they see themselves, how they relate to other people, and most importantly, unconditional love towards your kids can have an impact on the way they have their relationship with God. In fact, write this down. If you have your notes, uh, write this down. The way you love them will shape the way they love him. The way you love them will shape the way they love him. I mean, love was God's idea, The Bible says that God is love. That means he created it, right? He he made you and me to love and to be loved, to pursue love, to experience love, to desire love. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? He said it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment in two parts both involve love. We're called to love. We're supposed to love. Love is at the core of everything we are, which makes sense. God is love, and we were made in his image. You know, the Apostle Paul, who we talked about week one, um, had a lot to say about love. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in the New Testament in the letters of Paul. And so we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these around you. You can pick up and use. It's page 800, which is easy to remember. That would be hard for me to find second service. Page 800 in that Bible, but First Corinthians 13, uh, Paul, as we talked about week one, at one time in his life seemed to know nothing but hate. But then he had a personal encounter with Jesus, and Jesus spoke words of encouragement to him, and it changed the course of his life. And so sometime after that, he wrote these words, First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What's Paul saying? He's saying love is most important. Love matters most. Everything else pales in comparison. I think we all know that love is important in our relationships, especially the relationship between a parent and a child. And today we're going to focus not just on the importance of showing love towards your kids. I think most of us love our kids. You don't need me to tell you you're supposed to love your kids, right? I hope. Uh, You don't need me to tell you you're supposed to love your parents. I hope that's not true. But what I want to talk about specifically is the way we show love to our kids. how you show love to your children or those special kids in your life can make all of the difference. It can make the difference in the way they see you, how they trust you, and again, in in the way that they see God and how they relate to God. And so Paul also wrote in Philippians 2, uh, just a couple chapters later, Philippians 2, 3, he wrote this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So he says, don't do anything Because it's going to puff you up, make you feel better about yourself. He says, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, I just want to stop right here because I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to apply it to our parent and child relationships. But I just want to say, even if you're not a Christian, I want to show you that the Bible has incredible wisdom for our relationships, uh, for our friendship. Let me put that verse back up there for a minute, Andrew, please. Because I want to show you this. This is incredible. Paul is so brilliant when he writes this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And in every relationship, whether it's husband and wife, whether it's parent and child, whether it's uh, friends, whether it's uh, family, whether it's coworkers, you can ask yourself this question all the time. If there's relational strife, if there's uh, uh, friction in your relationship, what if you always ask this question, hey... Am I valuing them above me? Do I value their opinion above mine? Do I value their needs above mine? Or am I just doing this out of being selfish? Am I putting my opinion above theirs? Or am I really loving them the way that God tells us to love people and putting their value above mine? With any relationship, you can do that. Love always puts the other's interests before our own. And when it comes to love, we have to understand every single person is unique. Everybody's different. Uh, we're all made in the image of God, but still we have you know, different opinions, different tastes, different desires, different ambitions, and we all feel loved differently. I mean, if you just look at yourself, take a look at yourself, for example, and the way you feel love may be completely different than the person you're sitting next to now. There's, there's no one-size-fits-all way to love somebody. We all feel and experience love in different ways. Great example. Today's Mother's Day. You know that. If I were to give my wife who's here in the room, if I were to give her a bouquet of roses, my wife would smile and she would say, thank you, but I know that deep down she's thinking, I wonder how much these cost. And in three days, they're going to be in the trash can. Was that really a good use of money? You know, that's, gifts aren't a big deal to her and especially gifts that are going to wither away. But this week, I had an extra half an hour one morning, I had a, a little bit later meeting and I said, hey, let's go get a drink together before work. Iced tea, don't worry. <laughs> I usually lick her up before I come in the office. It makes it easier to <laughs> do my job. But I said, hey, let's go get a drink. Let's get something to drink. And the smile on her face told me everything I needed to know, that just spending quality time with her was a great gift to her, and she felt loved in that. And just the two of us spending time at McDonald's together and talking and planning and dreaming, and that meant so much to her. The same with our kids. Our kids experience and feel love in different ways. And so if you're a parent, a grandparent, aunt or uncle, if you've got some important kid in your life, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe you're teaching gen kids uh, and you're having difficulty with one particular child, maybe you need to think about and figure out how they best feel loved. It's critically important that the kids in our lives know that they are loved. And the hard part about that for us as parents, as adults is not every kid feels loved the same way. And, and don't miss this because my tendency, and maybe yours, I don't know what yours is, but my tendency is to love people in the same way that I feel loved. Like I think if somebody did that for me, I would feel loved, so I'm going to do that for somebody else. But that is not putting someone else's interests above your own. You know, and There was a very popular book uh, written a few years ago, a number of years ago now, uh, called The Five Love Languages. How many of you read this or seen this book? A lot of you, Good. This is a great book. Dr. Gary Chapman uh, wrote this. It was a bestseller for many years. It's a must-read for husband and wife. It was designed to help bring greater understanding to the way that you can love your spouse. And that's what it was for. It's really great material no matter what you think about God, you know, no matter what your relationship with Jesus is like. If you apply the concepts in this book to your relationships, um, it can be a real game-changer. But the author, Gary Chapman, has since gone on to adapt the uh, information in this book To kids, He wrote a book, uh, a follow-up edition called The Five Love Languages for Children, and uh, the idea there is to show how kids feel loved. And he breaks down the love languages this way. These aren't in any particular order, but I've put them in your notes uh, if you want to follow along. And so I'm just going to walk you through the five love languages according to Dr. Chapman. Uh, Number one is this. Number one is physical touch. Uh, Physical touch is one way to express love to a child. Uh, It means hugs and kisses, obviously, but it also means there's a lot of other ways to demonstrate it. So you demonstrate physical touch when you throw your young son up in the air and catch him, and catch him. All right? You demonstrate physical, son, when you uh, spin your child around and round in circles until you both get dizzy and you fall down and one of you throws up. Uh, When a mom snuggles up next to her daughter to read a book together, that's that's physical touch. There's so many ways to experience uh, love through physical touch. Now, maybe you have a 17-year-old that doesn't want to snuggle up and read a book with mom anymore. You know, my 13-year-old daughter um, has developed this kind of hug-spin move that can only be rivaled by Dwight Freeney in his prime. It's like I go in for the hug, and she does one of these. And I get the side hug, you know, and that's how I always end up with her. But just because she feels awkward in that moment or just because they don't pursue that doesn't mean they don't need your hand on their shoulder every once in a while. You know, it doesn't mean that they don't want you to to touch them and and ask them uh, how things are going, so... I have lost a page of my notes up here. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I don't know where page five is. So. Um, but physical touch is one of the five uh, love languages. Hey, Andrew, can I borrow yours? Thank you. I want to make sure just so you guys – hey, we're, we are an authentic church here. I'm just telling you. Thank you. So um, one of the things about physical touch is uh, these gestures might seem like pretty um, simplistic to some people. But Dr. Chapman talks about in his book, The Five Love Languages for Kids, how so many times as parents, we only touch our children uh, when they we absolutely have to, like when we're loading them into the car, when we're helping them get dressed, uh, when we're carrying them to bed. And, and I know, uh, here's the thing, some, especially dads, you may not be touchy-feely types. You, know, you may not feel like that's a way to feel loved. It might be awkward to you. Um, but uh, especially dads, just for a minute here, I want to say something to you. When your daughter gets to the age where it seems awkward to touch her, that's exactly when you need to start leaning in. Okay, And it's hard and it's awkward. Maybe it seems inappropriate to you. Uh, you need to appreciate her private space, all right. but don't stop appropriately touching your daughter as she becomes a teen, and especially if you find out that's a love language for her. Again, it's not about what's natural to us. It's about putting the interests of others above ourselves. But if your daughter, if your son, if, if physical touch is a love language and you don't give them that, guess where they're going to go to get it? They're going to go somewhere else and try to find it. And so, again, it's all about putting the needs of others above our own needs. Uh, the second love language is words of affirmation. Uh, If you missed last week's, or if you missed the message from week one when I talked about words, I highly recommend you check that out. Um, If you were here, you remember me talking about how important our words are. Our words have the power to build up or to break down. Our words have the power of life and death. Uh, Our words can benefit kids if we use wholesome talk, as Scripture talks about, or they can uh, be detrimental to kids when we use unwholesome talk. And that's why Paul, if you remember, tells us not to use any unwholesome talk. Uh, Words of affirmation are words that say things like, I care about you. You matter to me. I see God working in your life. And such words can nurture a child's sense of security, can really help make a child not not just feel loved, but feel protected and feel cared for. Uh, moms and dads, your son needs to know that he's got what it takes. This is a question that boys ask all the time. Do I have what it takes? He needs to hear you say that God cares for him and that he loves him. He needs, he needs to know that he is God's workmanship, that he was created to do good work. Uh, those are the kind of things that sons ask all the time. Uh, you know, when, when uh, if you want your daughter to marry the right kind of man, you need to bless her by telling her that she's beautiful to you and she's beautiful to God, uh, not just physically, but that God created her with a purpose and, and, and the things she does and says matter to you and matter to God. Say it over and over again, every day. Give her a feeling of protection and acceptance. If you're a Christian... Your kids need to be reminded their identity is in Christ, that they don't find their identity in uh, anything else, that if they don't find their identity in Jesus, they'll find their identity in something. And so if you're a Christian, if you want your kids to grow up Christian, just like these um, uh, parents did up here in child dedications, you want your child to to grow up to be a Christ follower, you need to continually remind them their identity is in Christ. God chose them. They belong to him. Now remember, the way you love them will shape the way they love him. Your love is a reflection of God's love, and your words of affirmation can make a big difference. Uh, the third way we love our kids, I think is the third, is quality time. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because Paul talked about it last week. Chances are you have some kids in your life that really feel loved uh, when you spend quality time with them. I want to make it clear here while we're talking about this too that just because this isn't a child's primary love language doesn't mean you throw last week out the window. All right, If quality time isn't your kid's love language, you still need to be intentional about spending time with them. I think all of us feel these love languages to some extent in different ways. And so you can't just say, well, that's my kid's last love language, so I'm not going to spend any quality time with them. It doesn't work that way. They still need that uh, in their life. I remember uh, last week – of course I remember last week, uh, I hope – I was at a conference down in Florida with uh, three other pastors here at Genesis, and um, I was having uh, fun and learning a lot. But I called my family every day, and my wife told me near the end of the conference, she said, "Uh, "I can't wait for you to be home. Grace really misses you. Grace is my 13-year-old." And I said, "Why? What does she need? Like, does she need help with her homework? Does she need what? What's she missing?" And she said, "No, she just likes having you here." And I just think about that quality time, just being with your kids and how important that is, especially when they're at those uh, sensitive ages, is a, is a great love language. And th- uh, the fourth love language is gifts. gifts. Gifts can be a powerful expression of, the, of love at the time they're given. Uh, they often last much longer than the value of the gift itself. One of the things that's important to remember about gifts is that the value of a gift is not necessarily reflected in its price tag. That the best gifts are a reminder of our love for long after the time that they're purchased and given. It's not really about the expense. Uh, Both of my daughters have this as a very high uh, love language for them, and they almost feel guilty about it. My uh, 11-year-old Audrey came in. She said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that gifts are my love language. And I said, honey, you don't need to be sorry about that. Well, I feel like I'm greedy. Well, it's not about being greedy. It's the way that you feel loved. That's how God made you. And the fifth and final love language is acts of service, acts of service. Now, if you're a parent, the day you found out you, had a, you were going to have a child, you signed up for an 18-year term as a servant, right? I mean, you signed up for that. Your contract called for a minimum of 18 years of active duty with an understanding that when that uh, tour was over, you were going in the reserves for who knows how long, right? There are kids who feel loved through the way we serve them. It may be as simple as helping with homework or giving them a ride to a friend's house. Uh, Maybe they have weekly chores and responsibilities in your home. My my wife is uh, so good at this. Sometimes when there's a particularly busy week, she'll jump in and say, hey, um, I'm going to clean the bathroom for you guys this week. I know that you're busy, and and it's just a way to show love to them. It's a way they feel loved. I think this area, acts of service, is particularly important in helping shape our kids' relationship with God. That... uh, I mean, think about it. Who was the greatest servant that ever lived? It was Jesus Christ, right? Scripture says, Philippians says, Jesus being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he became a servant. Jesus came to serve. And so when we love our kids through service, we are showing them, we are modeling Jesus for them. We're modeling for them the life that we've all been called to as followers of Jesus. And so just in review, in case you missed one, the five love languages, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality, time, gifts, acts of service. And as you think about what it looks like to love the kids that God has put in your life, I want to challenge you to learn their love languages. Discover the best way to express love to them so that they can feel love. Because remember, Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, how you feel and receive love, but each to the interests of others. So what I want to do is I want to recommend a resource for you. It's in your notes, and so if you took the message note cards when you walked in, you can have that. But if you didn't, uh, write this down. You can visit 5lovelanguages.com. It's the number 5lovelanguages.com. And on that page, you will find an online assessment to help you identify with your kids what their love language is. Uh, we did that this week with both of our kids. I uh, found some of it wasn't surprising. A little bit was surprising. But there's a, there's a test for younger kids, uh, preteens, kids 9 to 12, and then teenagers. And, and then you can also do it you know, for you and your spouse or you and your significant other. You can go online, and you can find out what their love language is. Take some time and check it out. Ask your kids to take a few minutes. I think for each of our daughters, it took less than five minutes to take the assessment. It, it might open your eyes and help you better love uh, each kid in a way that ensures that they feel loved. You know, Sometimes you may feel like you've been banging your head against the wall trying to encourage your kids and trying to show them love. Well, maybe it's not about working harder at the things you're already doing, but maybe it's working different. Maybe you need to try something different, and if you find out how they really feel love, you could find out that you're going to spend a lot less effort in the areas that matter to them, and then you can not do so much in the areas that you're banging your head on. You know, once we learn their love language, we can direct our energy to loving the kids in a way that they feel most love. It's a bit like refueling our car's gas tank, right? You've got to put the right stuff in there. If you're going to fuel it up you want your car to run efficiently, you've got to put the right stuff in there. Well, it's the same way with our kids. Uh, you know, th- They can run on other things, but they run best uh, when they get their love language poured into them. Uh, a man in the Bible named Timothy, I think, is a great example of this. He was an apprentice or a disciple of the Apostle Paul. And uh, look how Paul compliments who Timothy has become in Second Timothy 1.5. He says this. He says, uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, says, Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. This, this should be the passage that every church teaches on for Mother's Day, I think. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't make this the centerpiece of our message, but just look at this. We, we don't know for sure, but it's implied in this, uh, in, in this passage, in this piece of Scripture, that Timothy's grandmother and mother both influenced Timothy in his walk with God, that they had a say in how he developed his faith. Their, their faith and love shaped okay the way that Timothy had grown to love the Lord. Moms, you can influence your kids by the way you love them. I know that sometimes it feels like your words, your actions aren't having an impact at all in your house. You feel like you're not being heard. But what you find out over time is all of those words, all of those actions, all of that love is building up in them, and it's creating in them a faith that is going to mean so much as they grow into be adults. You know, the, you, your grace, your influence uh, can shape where they find their identity. Now, Daz, the same is true for you. Uh, you can show your children that they matter to God by the way you love them. Your, your words, your patience, your time, your service to them, uh, the gifts you give them, the way you love your sons and daughters will affect, will shape the way they love the Lord. And that's the goal. You know, this series, this three-week series is not about teaching our kids to become nice, polite, kind human beings. This is really about, and especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is about raising our kids to be disciples of Jesus. It's a big challenge. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need his Holy Spirit. We need him for our lives. We need him for our marriages. We need him at the center of all of our relationships. And, And the more you read scripture, the more evident becomes that Jesus was absolutely dependent on his father, that that he models for us the the importance of dependence on his father. He, He relied on his father all the way to the cross. His last words in his life were spoken to his father as he died a death that we deserve. If Jesus needed his heavenly father that much, how much more do we need our heavenly father? We need the father in our lives. We need his love. We need his strength. We need his guidance and wisdom. We need him to love well. How do we lean into that dependence? Well, it's through prayer. Keep praying for your kids. Pray with your kids. Pray to God when you're by yourself and ask him for help. I want to do that right now. I want to invite those of you who have kids or a special child in your life, uh, just as a way of communicating that you're dependent on the Father. I would love for you to stand. I would love to pray for you. If you've got a kid in your life, if you've got a relationship that you're struggling with, if you've got a relationship that you just say, I I want more of of the Father in our relationship. I wanna pray with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we just come to you and we confess our dependence on you. God, we need you in our lives. We need you at the core of our relationships. We need you to be good for us to be good parents. Uh, We need you to be good grandparents. We need you so that we can be good husbands and wives and friends and aunts and uncles. And God, we just need you. And for all these people standing around the room, Lord, I just pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would go with them this week, that you would help guide their words, guide the time that they spend. Would you guide the way they love their kids and the kids around them? Lord, we all need more of you. God, we just confess today that you are the the glue that holds this whole thing together, that, that without you, we can do nothing. And so we just pray that. We we pray that right now over the families that are represented in this room. Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, for us. We thank you for the work that he did on the cross. We thank you for the example he set in his life. We thank you uh, for the fact that he overcame death to show us that no matter how hard it seems right now for us to invest in these kids in our lives, Lord, that, that you can do all things. We thank you for that. God, as we go into a time time of worship uh, through song, I just pray that the words we sing would be pleasing to you. And we praise these things in Jesus' name. Amen.